Well, looking at organizing the life of a, uh, managing the life of a busy woman, uh, she's looking at the family section right now. After we've looked at the spiritual and just the stewardship sections of our life, and we talked about marriage last week, and the next chapter is on children. And uh, there are things that no matter what your um, season of life is, um, things that I'm sure that you can gain from this time. But this is, this is important. Uh, for those of you that uh, have children in the home still, they do complicate your schedule. Uh, right? That's uh, just the way it is. Uh, but of course, you are so in control of your schedule, no problem. It just works out smoothly as can be. But uh, there, the, she gave just some very basic principles here, but I think it's good. I'm just going to stick with the basic principles this morning, and uh, uh, we trust it'll be a help to you. So some of the guidelines that she gives, uh, first of all, there's four things majorly that she gives. And uh, that is, first of all, teach your children. Uh, if you want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, this is important for all of us. And let me just say, as we look at the children, for instance, here in our church, uh, we need to all feel the responsibility for the development of the next generation. Uh, it is a, a great uh, blessing. I don't know if you've happened to notice, if you're around here much, there are just lots of children, <laughs> and we're thankful for that. And so uh, we need to be praying and, and encouraging one another. Those of you ladies that have been through child-rearing already, be an encouragement to the younger mothers. And so it's important that we understand the importance of teaching. But right in the basic reminder of, about the law that Moses gave when uh, he was at the end of his life, they were just about to go into the uh, land of, uh, of Israel, and um, Joshua is going to take them. He has a series of messages in Deuteronomy that are the, the key things that they needed to know. And we read in verse 6 of chapter 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now, a couple of very important points here, and that is, first of all, we as parents, those who are helping others, need to uh, take the words of God and not only know them, but appropriate them by depending upon them and obeying them, uh, making them a deep part of our life so we're experiencing the reality that God's Word is real. You cannot give that which you do not have. And one of the things we try to teach the older young people here and the college students uh, is the fact that you are learning not primarily for yourself but for others. And when you think of learning to be able to give it, you will learn it much better. I suppose that's one of the greatest joys that um, I have as a pastor is that uh, I'm, think, I'm having to think all the time about how am I going to give what I just learned. And thinking that way makes me learn it a whole lot better. It's not that pastors are all that much more studied than everybody else, but we have to give it 
And so we have to think about giving it, and then we give it so we remember it more, which is a great blessing. And, uh, but that's what happens to anybody that's discipling or working with children. The more you give, the more you uh, will, will take in what God is giving to you. So every experience, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, every experience you have, everything you learn, keep thinking about who you can bless with that. And especially those of you mothers, and of course, listen, you're your children can be adults and have their own families, but you're still giving them things that you're learning. So everything that you, every experience you have, jot it down. Every time God speaks to you, every time a truth becomes real to you, be thinking of getting that across to your children, your family, to those with whom you are working. And so, uh, and it says, teach them diligently. This needs to be something that is very much uh, on our hearts, uh, speaking of the words that God has given, and they need to be talked about in your home, when you're walking by the way, when you're in your car, I added that in here, uh, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. I mean, any, anywhere and everywhere. You know, one good question that we all can uh, ask ourselves what is the atmosphere of our home and is it word-centered? Now, not pious, okay, uh, just real. You know, you can just, man, uh, you can force yourself to say spiritual things and it's better not to say them. Forget that stuff. It needs to flow out of reality. It needs to flow out of your experience. It needs to flow out of your walk with God and you just want to talk about it. It should be normal at the table. It should be normal when you're just in the car and having fun talking about other things, but it's just you should be able to slide right into spiritual truth and it not be awkward. That ought to just be a key part of your life and your children, they need to have, you know, where do they get their worldview from? From some great classroom? No, they get their worldview from you having a worldview that's biblical all the time. For instance, talking about the horrific uh, hurricane in Florida. Are there worldview implications with that? The fragility of man. You know, who? no one expected that the surge at Fort Myers would be what it was. It was incredible and it was that high tide to top it off and uh, literally just destroyed Sanibel Island and all of Fort Myers Beach and um, my dad used to live close by there and I'm pretty sure his house that he lived in then was gone, is gone. And, um, and so how uh, tentative life is, uh, how powerful God is. Imagine what the tribulation will be like when the sun and moon move and uh, the climate changes. Uh, it's a fearful thing. Do you realize just talking about the hurricane can just bring all kinds of biblical perspectives that can help your children see things from a biblical worldview. And uh, so I, I appreciate this. Uh, and so it's important that it's, uh, it just should be part of your normal life. And where would that start? Husband and wife need to be talking about spiritual things. If it's all just, what do we gotta do today? What store are we gonna go to? What are we going to do this week? And all that's important, of course. 
but there's just really not much spiritual exchange, well, it's just not gonna flow down into the children, so that's important. Um, and, and, and the experiences that your children go through, um, it's good, to, again, not be pious, you don't just give a platitude of a verse, but if there's something that really is applicable and they can learn something from it and they can uh, discover something, or you're just walking along and, and you see something, um, that, uh, that, those are lessons that are, are not forgotten. I've mentioned many times, I'm so appreciative. I, my dad and my, our personalities were very different. He was much, uh, I guess I was much more talkative, and, um, but he took me everywhere he went. I was in the car with him, and he was constantly answering questions, making observations, talking about life, and I'm just so thankful uh, for that time. Train your children is the next one of the four. Uh, we often quote Proverbs 22, 6, uh, and uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, let me just say, that's not a promise that comes by just having a home that's biblically based. It is training, is hedging your children in and keeping them on the right road until they are making the choices to be on that road completely themselves and have the maturity and the spiritual power to do it. It's like keeping a little sapling straight. It's, um, it's um, having to hedge in and, and communicate, has the idea of discipline, has the idea of correction, of uh, teaching, training, work, all of that. It was the overall training of a child. And, um, and so uh, we've got to not just talk about the things of the Lord, but we have to make the decisions to keep them on the right road. You know, it's a whole lot easier for them to surrender to the Lord when they're on the right road. It's another thing, when they're way over here, you just let them go their natural fleshly way and the world gets them, to get them back over here is going to be a massive crisis. So you've got to be thinking, are they spiritually minded? Are they making the right decisions? Am I protecting them? It's not just hedging them in just by your regulations, it's by making the right decisions for what your family does. For instance, your home should be free of the world. One of the biggest problems, and I've read this on several occasions now, studies of the home, no wonder uh, in Christian homes today why kids are heading off into the world, the parents are letting the world right in. The entertainment's there, unfettered access to the YouTube, uh, video games. Folks, video games go all over the place. You don't want your kids to go. I just heard some studies yesterday on this. All of the radical leftist teaching is filtering into the video games. And it is there along with all of the sensuality and everything else. And you don't see it on the front end of those games. Uh, but if they're connected to the internet, you're in, you're in trouble. By the way, your children don't. You know, generations made it without the internet to adulthood. I can look at ages here. Most of you did not have internet when you were children, right? <laughs> you didn't even have a cell phone. Can you imagine? And you look like pretty balanced ladies. I mean, honestly, I think you did all right. And um, so, you know, well, my, son, my child has to have a phone. Well, they're not going to get a flip phone if you give them a phone. They want a smartphone. 
By the way, we were somehow okay without a phone. I'm getting, I'm always, when I get on technology, I get derailed every time. But I'm just, I'd have to deal with it, with uh, the damage. So that's why I'm hollering every time we get to this. But, um, but how free, I mean, back in my day, my mom would make sure there was nothing, no magazine, no newspaper, nothing that had anything wrong in it, Tim. She was, boy, my, my wife was even more of a guard because things were getting worse, and man, nothing came into our home. Whew, she was, she was the guard. But now, uh, when you got access to Wi-Fi and technology, that, that's nothing compared. And I tell you, you just don't want to have to pick up the pieces of damage to a poor 12, 13, 14-year-old. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, God can do it, but there's always things that have to be battled in their life. So training uh, needs to be uh, in the atmosphere. In other words, the choices you make on the matter of teaching your children to work, to have a heart for God, to make uh, the Lord the first thing, the priorities of your life, being involved in ministry, loving to serve the Lord, um, uh, having times, obviously, a family altar. Just all of those choices you make are how you train your children. Remember, your training is not just the times you sit down with them. You're training them 24-7. When you make them go to bed and how you make them go to bed. Is it a battle? It ought not be. They ought to go when they're supposed to go. When they get up in the morning, it ought not be a battle. And there ought to be a, a, a basic regimen of what they do. And on and on you can go. Training is just, it's just observing your life, observing your relationships and so forth. So when we talk about this matter of trying to get some real organization to a busy life, it does have more than just impact for us. It has impact on the children that are in the home. And uh, so every choice you make does have uh, impact. Um, as Henry uh, Ward, Ward Beecher said, it's not hard to make a child or a tree grow right if you train them when they're young, but to make them straighten out after you've allowed them to go wrong is not an easy matter. And how true that is. And so bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Of course, what I'm talking about here, I, could li I literally do take hours to talk about, but I just want to encourage you that it fits into the reasons why it's good to have management in your home. It's just not so you can do better, it's everybody does better. If priorities are right and the atmosphere is right. And mothers, make the hard choices. Dads will usually go along with it. It's the mom that really has that sensitivity. If you're a little worried about something, don't have it in your home. I mean, if you have a little warning bell, then you go with that warning bell. Keep your homes godly. Keep your homes world-free zones. When your family walks in that door, it ought to be a totally different world than the world. It ought to be very hard for Satan to get in because you've wrapped it with your prayer and your concern and your priorities and your management, and you are determined, and you got it in you. You're just determined to protect your family. And uh, so, listen, uh, I'll always take your side uh, if there's any uh, questioning about your trying to be careful in your home because it's important. Now, 
Part of it, and this is the third thing that she mentions here, is love your children. It has to be in an atmosphere of total love. Children need to understand that when you make the hard decisions, we can't go here. No, you can't do that. It's not because you're trying to make them miserable. Kids think that because they think there's certain things they got to have and places they got to go. Uh, and when you have to chasten them, when you have to deal with them, um, you know, it's just saying this hurts me more than it hurts you won't work. Okay, because they don't believe it, though it's true. Um, you've got to so have a relationship with them and get their heart that you're able to communicate with them that, listen, I am, I am endeavoring to deliver you from some of the issues. I mean, I'm on your side. I want you to be free of wrong habits. I don't want you hurt. I want you to be fully able to do all God wants you to do. And I'm fighting for you. I love you. And I know God has um, his hand on you. I don't know how many times my mother would say that. And that is, I, and my dad would say, I know God's going to use you. That's why we don't do these things. And, um, and just, it's because we do care about you. And after a while, I really began to believe it. I could see it. I understood it. And of course, when they love you and they're focused on you, um, it makes a difference. So it's got to be the, uh, uh, it's really got to be an atmosphere of love. And honestly, moms and, uh, uh, and any ladies that are involved in helping with families, you have that ability to just give that affection and that love, and that needs to be there all the time. You've got to fill the cup up of your children. And if you notice that your, your children don't come in the same size cups, what I'm saying is some kid just a little pat on the head and I love you, they're just great. They just, other kids, man, you gotta pour in the love, pour in the love, and it's still only half full, you know. Uh, they just uh, they just got a deep, deep, deep well of a need. Well, fill it up, you know, and uh, keep working at it. It's, uh, it's interesting how different they are. You know, you think you've learned, you think you've learned a little bit about parenting and then you have another child, you know. And by the time I got my third one, I threw out the book I was going to write on child rearing, you know. And uh, it just sort of goes that way. But uh, anyway. And then I like this next point. Prize your children. They are a blessing from the Lord. And think about how Sarah wanted a child so badly, and then she finally got Isaac. You remember uh, Hannah wanted children, and she got Samuel. Uh, Rebecca wanted children so badly that she pleaded uh, with the Lord, uh, that her husband pleaded with the Lord for his wife. And uh, of course she had the twins. Rachel wanted children so badly she told her husband, give me children or else I die. And the Lord was gracious and gave her Joseph. Uh, Elizabeth wanted children so badly she marveled and thanked the Lord when she conceived, saying, he hath looked on me to take away my reproach. And we all feel that way. You know, uh, boy, when you finally have a child, and for those that are unable to have them, that's a great grief. And yet, after we get them, do we ever get frustrated with them? How <laughs> do we ever think, boy, they are bothers, you know? They're sort of messing my life up a little bit here. Well, uh, get over that in your thinking. You've got to sort of step back and realize they are what you wanted. And uh, they are a prize. Listen, there's no greater joy than if God graciously gives you children uh, than to have them. And, uh, and I can just tell you now that I've gone through different phases of, of life. I mean, there is nothing, there, I mean, having the comradeship with your children and their spouses and then the, the grandchildren, 
I mean, it is just, it is a rich thing of life. So don't get frustrated uh, because your kids are a chip off the old block, okay? And so whatever you didn't get fixed, you got to fix it in them, all right? And uh, so uh, this is all part of the, uh, part of the plan. But um, I've, often, I've often said this, and this is important for wives with their husbands or vice versa, and it's important with children. How do you respond when you see your child and you haven't seen them for just a little bit? The look in your eye and your body movement and just the attitude you have makes all the difference. You need to just make the decision that every time your child shows up, instead of being frustrating, irritating, uh, it's obvious to the child they're important to you. And um, I'm telling you, the world needs to stop. Now your child can't be pestering. You've got to discipline them for that and work with them. They've got to understand that. But when the child comes, or by the way, when your husband comes, you need to, they need to feel very prized. And again, you all have, God made you to be very strong with relationships. And if you are spirit-led, God can really help you with that. But if you're constantly pushing um, your child away um, uh, and frustrated with them, well, what are they going to perceive about your attitude toward them? Uh, even though they may have to be dealt with and worked with, still they need to know they are important. It is one of the most important things I can tell you. What kind of look do you have in the eye? What kind of demeanor do you have when your child comes up? You just need to show excitement every time if at all possible, when you haven't seen them for a little bit. It, it really is important uh, to do that. I'm having to work on that myself because uh, my son Wayne doesn't get to be around to people a lot. So when dad comes home, um, I, you know, and I had to deal with myself again yesterday. You know, I have my plans when I get home and I've been under, you know, many things uh, in the ministry. And then I realize I need to be excited so I'm still in it. So I'm speaking to you from uh, the experience of it is vital. A person's sense of who they are and how important they are comes from uh, the attitude. And by the way, that goes with fellow believers when they come to church. How you respond to people at your Bible study. How you respond to little children when they come up and want to show you something, not your own children. Do you stop and get excited? Uh, sometimes I just can't get down the hallway in time to get to church sometimes because uh, it's so cute little kids will say, I got, you know, I'll tell pastor this and I, you know, so, you know, I can't say I got to get to the service, you know, I mean, this is important and uh, we have to make ourselves do it, but that's one of the joys of, you know, we're one big family and we ought to have that kind of attitude. All right, we need to move on here. So, some keys here, those are the four major points that you got across there, but uh, keys for effective uh, mothering. Uh, she, strongly, the first part of the book was on your life uh, to the Lord. And, and folks, remember, when you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. Are you, I mean, fleshly mothering, yeah, that means you got to spend time with the Lord. I don't care. What's going on? You've got, to have, you've got to have that connection. You've got to have that dependence. It's God that will give you the grace. And you know, 
some days are just very, very um, high intense anxiety filled days, right? Nothing quite goes right. But if you're spirit filled, you can manage that in a way that you can uh, see the Lord work and you don't react. And then the matter of modeling true godly character. As I said, you, you, what is, is caught is greater impact often than what is taught. It reinforces what you teach. And uh, godly mothers just become the reality of Christianity. Uh, you've heard all those little illustrations about little boys and girls talking about God and uh, they talk about, um, about their mothers and uh, how they know about God that way and that is so true. And then another very important key is pray for your children. I could camp out on this for the next 10 hours. Of course, that's going to bring you into a spirit-filled perspective. It's also going to take your frustration away because you're going to understand I've got a job here to do. Uh, I've been praying and, and the Lord will give you ideas. He will sh give you a burden. He'll probably show you something you can do that day for a specific child or give you a, a specific uh, insight uh, when you are praying or in the Word. That's why it's important. But do pray. The victories are won through prayer, folks. Nothing, nothing in life is ever apprehended by us without prayer. Now, God's gracious to us. He does things for us because the goodness of God leads us to repentance. But we must understand that the best thing we can do for our children is to cry out to the Lord about them. And I can give you a number of different places. Uh, back when I lived in Germantown and then here in Menominee Falls and even when I've traveled, I can remember sacred spots where God gave me a transaction of faith about some direct aspect about my child. And what happens is when you have a transaction of faith, your you come to your child with expectation of victory, even though they're not doing the best. They, they realize that you think that you have a vision for them. Uh, and so instead of you always showing frustration and, and being worried about them, you have a confidence about you, even if you're having to deal with them, that that they feed on that. They realize you know something about them. And of course, you know something about them because you got it from God. And it does make a huge difference in the life of a child when they see the parents. And I remember when I got, actually I got victory for all six kids. And um, of course, it's always constant and different things. But it made all the difference. I had an expectation they were going to turn out for God. I felt they were going to serve the Lord. I felt that my boys were going to preach. I felt that the different things were going to happen. And so my relationship was built up, uh, for them, with them, upon the basis of prayer. Um, I'm just sharing this. It's a little embarrassing to say this myself, but I'm telling you it's the truth that prayer is the key. And uh, you've got to just get in the, in, the, in the secret place with God. You know what? Uh, God's very interested in answering that prayer. And the one person that can pray with power is the parent for a child. There's great, great entrance into the throne room for that. And um, 
And by the way, those of you that have adult children that aren't where you want them to be, uh, there's still nobody like a parent. And I tell you, you get on, you get on the ground of faith and pray them through. They, I tell you what, uh, when God begins to work, I've mentioned here before, but I, how many know the old Hornet song? Anybody know the Hornet song? Okay. Yeah, I got to have that sung in church sometimes. Um, Mrs., uh, was it Mrs. Himes that found it for me? Uh, but anyway, uh, but it basically says, uh, God doesn't make us go against our will, but he can certainly make us willing to go. Speaking of when a bunch of hornets come in, uh, they can't pick you up and make you leave the room, but they can sure make you willing to go. And I tell you, mamas, you can pray the hornets. You can pray that, that power of God. And God can just uh, do those circumstances and you pray Satan away. It's amazing what God, uh, God will do. So no matter where you are in the stages with your children, pray, pray, and pray. And by the way, that'll mean you're walking with God. It's a double blessing. And then, of course, be there for your children. This, I, sp I spoke of having the right kind of attitude when they show up, but uh, you just need to uh, spend time with them and when it's important time. Listen, there's going to be many key times when everything else drops and you got to talk to your child or you got to go be there or something's really important to them. Parenting is not convenient. I'm sure you found that out. It just um, uh, doesn't fit into a personal schedule very well. And uh, But some of the best times I've ever spent are the most inconvenient. I've had to break really important uh, engagements at key times because I knew I needed to spend time with a child. I, I was late to a service uh, by quite a bit. I, I got there in time to preach, but uh, it was just a discipline time and uh, my child would not break. Whew. So I sent my family on ahead and by the time I got there to preach, I was sweating. <laughs> I was, uh, <laughs> uh, now, I, I, I did things properly, don't worry, but, uh, but uh, it was so sweet. And that's uh, frankly when I got my child's heart at that point. So I was worth it. I'm sure everybody was wondering where I was and I didn't get up and announce it either. But uh, uh, so I'm, I'm, your kids just not got to know mama's going to be there. And you know in you, don't you want to be there? You got that already in you. But sometimes there's just so many things. But uh, be, uh, ask God for the wisdom there. Talks about just have your children in church, have them around godly people. The work, listen, we live in such a secular society, they just need to see the work of God being, this is what life is about. And it's just got to permeate them. And, uh, and make sure they're the highest priority to you among uh, your own personal pursuits. Uh, very important and then uh, discipline I've already talked about that and be the encourager and then the final thought there is uh, your own marriage I've often said the number one child-rearing principle is a good marriage that that uh, that solidity that security that communication that love um, and honestly, many times the wife has to be the one, as Titus chapter 2 says, to love your husbands. That's not the word agape. That's the word phileo, uh, highest of noble affection. And you've got that ability. And that affection and that love in the home really often has to be initiated by mom and initiated to a husband. 
and um, and so it means a lot to the kids uh, and uh, I'm sure you've had the experience it, I never could kiss and hug my wife without having when my kids were a little two or three all of a sudden they're on me you know uh, you have to be private because I mean they're all there everybody's hugging we have a big hugging thing so I, I figure when Ever I do that, I'm going to get the family and poof, all they are there. Now, that doesn't happen to a 12-year-old. They're a little, you know. But, uh, well, it depends which 12-year-old you had. Can you guess which one of my 12-year-old would still come and hug? Which one was it? Hmm? Ah, Stevie was pretty good, but Daniel, he was Mr. Hug, hug a bunch, I'm telling you. He still, he didn't care at 18. He didn't care when he was going to, he would just come in the hallway and go and kiss and hug his mama. He didn't care what his peers thought. Uh, Stephen was pretty close. He was pretty close, but uh, anyway. So, well, I'm out of time. So uh, lots of stuff we went through quickly there. You can discuss that now.